the topic uh, to be discussed tonight, a time to earn and a time to learn, should simply be um, divided between the student years of a person and the adult life of a person. Usually people assume that when a person is a student, that's the time to learn, and when they're adults, when they graduate school, when they finish college, that's the time to earn. So this distinction is not correct. When you read the Rambam in the beginning of Hilchus Talmud the Rambam writes that the obligation to learn applies to younger people, to older people, to healthy people, to sick people, wealthy, poor, very intelligent, shvachiket, everyone is obligated to learn throughout their lifetime. Uh, many people make a mistake and they think the mitzvah to learn Torah only applies to Rabbonim or people in Chinuch because they have to preach and they have to teach. So this is not correct. We know that it's not correct. Every day in the davening, we include a bakosha, a priyata, a kodesh brocha, v'sein chalkeinu v'sarasecha, give us our share in the Torah. In fact, uh, there is a comment that the Pnei Yeshua quotes from earlier Svarim, Pnei Yeshua and Kiddush and Aflamet quotes the Svarim that the word Yisrael, the suggestion was made, the word Yisrael is a Rashi Tevis, that yesh shishim ribo osios la Torah. This is a statement that appears in the Zohar, that there are 600,000 letters in the Torah. It's a problematic statement. There are many, many much fewer letters. There aren't 600,000 letters in the Torah. So the different commentaries discuss what that passage in the Zohar means. But what is the idea behind the statement made by the Zohar that there are 600,000 letters in the Torah? So what it means is that every Jew, there are 600,000 Jews. That's in the days of Etsias Mitzrayim. That's the uh, approximate number of the Jewish population. 600,000 was changed. And what it means is that every Jew has a share in the Torah. Everybody has a chalik in the Torah. That's why we daven with Seich HaKenim Sarasech and HaKadosh Baruch gives each individual person some new insight that he doesn't give other people. So everybody, all the halakim together constitute uh, the entire Torah. So it's not correct what people think that the Torah is only for the mitzvah to learn Torah is only for the Rabbonim and the people in Chinuch. When exactly uh, is the... How long is a person... How much time is every person obligated to spend the learning? So this is a serious discussion in the Talmud based on the Pasuk in Sefi Yoshua where it reads, V'hagisa ba'yom v'loyla. So the Pasuk sounds like one is obligated to learn Torah, what does that mean, how, how much Hasmada is really required? So the Mishnah in uh, Menachas presents a Machlekes HaTanoim, a dispute among the Tanoim regarding the Mitzvah of Lecham Aponim. In the Mishkan, in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu, and in the Beis Hamikdash, in the first Beis Hamikdash, second Beis Hamikdash, there was a Shulchan inside the Hechal in the, in the Beis Hamikdash, where they had uh, 12 Chalas. They had uh, the Chalas were Matzah, they weren't Chalmazdik, like our Chalas are Chalmazdik, but the Chalas in the Beis Hamikdash had to be Matzah. So they had 12 Chalas on two piles, six and six, piled up, and every Friday they baked a new batch of 12 Chalas to be placed on the Shulchan on Shabbos. They removed the old Chalas and replaced them with the new Chalas. So the Pasuk in Chumash uses the expression Lechem Panim Lefanai Tamid that the Lechem HaPanim is supposed to be on the Shulchan Tamid. So there is a dispute in the Mishnah how to translate the word Tamid that the Lechem HaPanim should be there Behasmada. What does that mean exactly? So the majority opinion among the Tanoim is that when they would have they had two sets of Kohanim one set of Kohanim would be removing the old Lechem HaPanim holding on to it with their hands with their fists and another set of Kohanim would be there replacing the old Lechem HaPonim with the new Lechem HaPonim immediately. So the Shulchan wouldn't be missing Lechem HaPonim even for one moment. And the expression used by the Tanoim in the Mishnah is that they had Tifcha Shulzeh, their fists, Vitzah Tifcha Shulzeh, next to the fists of the other Kohanim, as they were taking off the old Lechem HaPonim on the Shulchan, the new Lechem HaPonim would be placed, just like this. One after the other, so it should be literally 
Lechem Parim Lafan Aitami. The next Tan is of the opinion that that's not so necessary. Hasmada doesn't mean every single second of the day there should be Lechem Aparim on the Shulchan, even if you take off the old Lechem Aparim on Shabbos morning at 7 o'clock in the morning and you'll put on the new Lechem Aparim sometime in the evening before the Shkia. The Shkia is around 5.15, 5.20. So you put on the new Lechem Aparim at 5 o'clock is good enough because it's there in a regular fashion. Uh, you didn't miss a day. Every day of the week there was Lechem Aparim there. It doesn't mean that every single second there should be Lechem Aparim sitting on the Shulchan. So the Gemara assumes that this machloikis hatanaim, this dispute among the Tanoim, what is the definition of uh, tmidius? How do you translate the word tamid in the chumish, in the pasuk in chumish in connection with the lechem aponim? This dispute would be relevant with respect to the mitzvah of learning Torah. Also. Even though the Tanakh never uses the term tamid, shidisa Hashem tamid as far as uh, realizing that one is in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch but the Tanakh doesn't use the expression Talmud as far as learning Bahasmad, that the Pasuk says so the Gemara applies this Machlekes HaTanayim to the Mitzvah of Talmud Torah as follows that according to the Tanah who says that Tmidius by the Lechem HaPonim means that you shouldn't be missing a day without having Lechem HaPonim on the Shulchan and even if you take off the old Lechem HaPonim at 7 in the morning and you replace it at 5 in the afternoon with the new Lechem HaPonim that's considered the Bahasmadah so if a person learns a little bit every day and a little bit every night, that would be sufficient. In other words, like this, basically whenever we have a mitzvah in the Chumash and it's unclear when the mitzvah, how often the mitzvah has to be fulfilled, so it's self-understood that it's once a day every day. Take, for example, Duchani. The Torah tells the Kohanim that when, when, they are, when it's requested of them that they should uh, give a bracha to the Tzibur, so they're obligated to, to Duchen. Our practice is we don't request of the Kohanim to Duchen except on Yom because we're so busy making a Parnasa all the time, we have no time for a blessing. If they would listen to the bracha, we wouldn't have to work so hard. In Eretz Yisrael, they don't work so hard. Nobody works so hard there. So, because uh, they get the Duchen and they get the bracha, everything, uh, everything works out well in the end. So uh, our practice is we don't, we don't call upon the Kohanim to Duchen, but if we would call upon the Kohanim to Duchen every day, they would be obligated to Duchen, it would be a biblical obligation. What if you call upon the Kohanim a second time in the same day to Duchen, let's say the Duchen by the first minion, and then they call upon them at the second minion to Duchen, a different group of people. The same group of people call upon them to Duchen a second time. So the Gemara says that they're not obligated to Duchen a second time. Mid if they Duchen by Shachris, they're obligated to Duchen by Musaf again. But that's Mid Rabbanon. Min they're not obligated to Duchen more than once a day every day, if, even if called upon. They're not called upon, they're not obligated to Duchen at all. Why is this that it's once a day every day? So the, this is the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. So apparently the Gemara understands whenever you have a mitzvah that appears in the Chumash and it's unclear how often the mitzvah has to be fulfilled, so it's self-understood once a day every day. That's how the Rambam got his notion that the obligation to daven biblically is required of us to, to daven once a day every day and the fact that we daven three times a day, Shachris bin Chamar, the fact that we have a, a long text of the Shema Nasser, this is Midir but biblically the obligation to daven is once a day every day because the Pasuk says, Liyav the Bechol of Avchem and the Kriyashma and Avodah Shebulev means prayer, davening and it doesn't say how often you have to daven so it's understood that it means once a day every day. So here also, if not for that Pasuk in Yeshua that says, Vahagisa Bayom Avaloyloh so we would have said that there's just an obligation to learn Hashmek topic to learn five minutes once a day every day. You say Kriyashma so you say Kriyashma in the morning by Shachris or by Myrith. So that would have been enough once a day every day for a, for a moment. You read a Pasha and the Chumash, that would have been enough. Because it says in Seifi Yashua Bavagisa Bayom Valoilo, so it's a little different here. It's not enough once a day every day. You have to have once a day every day and once a night every night. Okay, but that, that's all. 
So the Gemara says that's one opinion among the Tanoim. That's one opinion. If you say that by lechem upon him, all you need is betmidius means that the lechem upon him shouldn't miss a day. If you have lechem upon him on the shulchan every day, you're not missing. So here also means that you shouldn't miss a day. And the pasuk in Yeshua Adan, you shouldn't miss a day. You shouldn't miss a night. That would have been enough. According to the other Tana, though, that the definition of hasmada by the lechem upon him means that every moment you should have the lechem upon him on the shulchan. When you remove the old lechem upon him, you have to have the kohanim replace it with the new lechem upon him immediately. Tivcha shalzeh, b'tzativcha shalzeh. The fists of these kohanim are right next to the fists of the other kohanim. And they put on the new lechem upon him immediately. Then the Gemara says the obligation to learn the hasmada would mean the pasuk in Yeshua is to be taken literally. The person has to learn all day and all night. How can you learn all day and all night? People have to sleep. People have to eat. They have to make a parnasa. So the Vilna Goyen in his commentary on Mishnayis and Peya, commentary is written by the students of the Groh, he didn't write it himself, so they quote in his name that what the Gemara means to say is that the obligation to learn is every free minute. If it's not free time, you're not obligated to learn. But one would be obligated to learn every free minute of the day. There is yet a third opinion. It's interesting. When you study Shulchan Aruch or Rechaim, so the major commentary is the Mogan Avram on this side. You have the Taz and then you have the Mogan Avram. So the major commentary is the Mogan Avram. The very first comment the Mogan Avram makes on Shulchan Aruch, Shulchan Aruch starts that you should wake up early in the morning to make sure you get to Minyan on time. So then it says you should try to wake up before Allah Sashachar. That's when I'm going to sleep. So you're supposed to wake up before Allah Sashachar around 5 o'clock or so in the morning. What are you supposed to do? Five o'clock in the morning, wake up, what are you going to do? So the Mogan Avram, Simon Alice, the cut of quotes from the Shalah, that uh, the proper thing is that a person should connect day with night, and night with day with Liman HaTorah. And the Ritzir points out in his commentary on the Shiltas that this is based on a passage in the Talmud Yerushalmi. This is a third opinion. It's not like either opinion in the Talmud Babli how to fulfill the mitzvah of Hagis Yom of that the one opinion was to learn a little bit every day, to learn a little bit every night. And the other opinion is to learn every free minute of the day and the night. So this is a third opinion. How do you fulfill learning by Yom Abalayla? In all the shuls, years ago, there used to be a practice in Europe and America. Also, I remember when I was growing up, they would be, they would daven mincha, they would finish a few minutes before the shkia. And then you would start learning. You would learn either on Yankif, or Mishnayis, or Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, in the shul, different days of the week, they would learn different things, or Tanakh. They would learn between mincha and Mairev, so they would be connecting Yom Valayla with Liman Hatur, but that's only connecting Yom with Laila. How are you going to connect Laila with Yom? So that's what the first comment of the Mogan Avram is, quoting from the Shalom. He's supposed to wake up early in the morning, not just to make sure you get to Shul on time. Get to Shul on time, you have to wake up five o'clock in the morning. You should start learning before Alois HaShachar. Some of the Dafyami people do that. They start learning before Alois HaShachar and they continue until after Alois HaShachar. So they're connecting Laila with Yom. Where does the Talmud Yerushalmi have this? Talmud Yerushalmi doesn't say it with respect to learning Torah. Or the Morgan Havron would have quoted it from the Talmud Yerushalmi. He quotes it from the Shalom. The Shalom says it based on a passage in the Yerushalmi with respect to the Shivas Yimei HaMiluim. Where the Pasuk says the last seven days in the month of Ador, the Shmini Lubim was Rishchodesh Nitzim. So the last seven days in Ador, when the Mishkan was completed, so the Rabbani Shalom gave special mitzvah that Aharon and his four sons had to sit the Pesach HaMaytesh Vayomam Valay Shivas Yomim. That is sit there for seven days, Yom Valayla. How can you sit for seven days, Yom Valayla? They, <laughs> they have to walk away a little bit. So how can it be fulfilled, Yom Valayla? The same problem, how can you fulfill the Hagisama Yom Valayla? So it can't be taken literally. So the Talmud Yerushalmi has one, one position, one suggestion is, as long as they sit there at the time that you're connecting Yom with Layla and Layla with Yom, they should sit there from before Shkia to left to say Sakachavim. 
They should make sure that they're sitting there from before Alos HaShachar till after, uh, after Alos HaShachar. So they connect the Yom HaMalayla by sitting there in front of the Mishkan. So that was the way to fulfill the mitzvah of Pesach HaMaytesh V'Shivas Yomim Yom HaMalayla. So the Shaloh applies this concept with respect to Liman HaTorah as well. You have these three opinions how to fulfill the mitzvah of Hagisa Bal Yom Valayla. Bottom line, what's the psak? So many point out the Rambam quotes with respect to the Lechem Aponim and the Beis Amigdosh, he quotes the practice, the majority opinion in Mishnah. The majority opinion is that the Kohanim would replace the Lechem Aponim immediately after the old Lechem Aponim was taken off, they would replace it with the new Lechem Aponim. So the Pashtu seems to be based on the parallel that the Talmud Bavli drew that the obligation to learn Bahasmada means one is obligated to learn every free minute of the day. Exactly how do you determine what's a free minute of the day? So look, a person has to eat, but he doesn't have to waste some he doesn't have to waste uh, an hour for lunch. He doesn't have to gobble down the food uh, quickly, but he doesn't have to waste uh, extra time. Uh, a person can, can relax, but he doesn't have to doesn't have to go to the movies in order to relax. We have a lot of, a uh, person has to work for a living, but the question is, how much of a living does he want to make? So there is a discussion in the, in the Talmud, in Masechus Ma'it Katan. This is quoted in Shulchan Aruch. This is interesting. And Masechus Ma'it Katan, uh, in the third parak, Parak Elam which has all the laws of Avelos, but it starts off with the laws of Chalamoid. Masechus Ma'it Katan is all about the laws of Chalamoid. So it starts off with the din that it's forbidden with the Rabbana to take a haircut or to take a shave on Chalamoid. Why? In order to, to encourage everyone that they should uh, take the haircuts and their shaves before Yom Tov begins, are there any exceptional cases where we permit people to take a shave or to take a haircut? So the Mishnah says yes, there are quite a few cases. Whenever, let's say, the person was sick in the hospital from before Yom Tov, and he didn't have an opportunity, and everybody in the community knows that he was sick in the hospital, or the person was in prison for, for whatever, for good reasons, for bad reasons, whatever, he was sitting in prison. And we all know that in the hospital or in prison, there is no opportunity to take care of The other guy was on a boat. He was traveling from, from Medina Sayyam and he's coming back to Eretz Yisrael. The Mishnah was written by the Tanan who lived in Eretz Yisrael. So they're describing a fellow who's born in Medina Sayyam. He's coming back from Chutzlo, he's coming back home, he lives in Eretz Yisrael. So everybody knows that on the boat there are no barbers. And everybody in the community knows that he just landed, he just came back in the middle of Halamoid. So he's permitted, since there's an Aynas, he simply wasn't able to take care of it before Yontif, and everybody is aware of his Aynas, of his circumstance. So therefore we permit him to take the shave and the haircut on Halamoid. That's why uh, there are many possible to say that people who shave every day would be permitted to shave on Halamoid because everybody in the community knows that he shaved before Yomta began and everybody knows he can't shave the hair that didn't grow yet so it's an Inus everybody who shaves every day is an Inus that everybody's aware of so uh, that's why many hold that you're allowed to shave on Chalamoy those who, who shave normally every day so the Talmud has a discussion there in connection with the fellow who came back the one who was sick in the hospital the one who was in prison what can he do? but the one who was, uh, went on a trip to Chutzlart and he came back in the middle of Chalamoy so the Talmud raises the question, who gave him permission to go to Medina Sayyam? If he's living in Eretz Yisrael, the Mishnah is written by the Tanoim who live in Eretz Yisrael. So who gave him permission to go to Chutzlois in the first place? So he put himself into his own Aynas. He put himself into a circumstance of Aynas. So why is that considered uh, an Aynas? That we say, well, since it's not his fault, it's an Aynas, the Muchach, everybody's aware of his circumstances. So therefore he's permitted to take care of Why? Who told him to go to the, to, to the trip in Medina Sayyam? So the Gemara speaks of three different motivations. What motivated the person to go to Chutzlart? Why did he decide to leave Eretz 
So the Gemara says, if he just decided to have a good time, Lashut, to float around the world, to see Paris, to see London, to see uh, uh, World Trade Center in New York City, whatever, to see Texas, Grand Canyon, whatever. So then the Gemara says he had no permission to leave Eretz Yisrael. So just because the Mishugana decided he wants to go travel around the world, and he landed back, his boat comes back, he was delayed, and he comes back in the middle of he had no right to go in the first place, to leave Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, if he comes back in Chalamoy, that's not fair, to con- it's not proper to consider that an oinus. Everybody knows what his circumstances were, but he put himself into his own predicament, so there's no heter for him to take the haircut on Chalamoy. But then the Gemara says, let's say the fellow doesn't make a parnasa, he leaves in Israel, doesn't make a parnasa, and he has to come to America every so often in order to do some work over here for business. So the Gemara says, for parnasa, everybody agrees. There's no machalek in Satan. Everybody agrees. It was permissible for him to leave Eretz Yisrael. And if coming back he got stuck, there was a strike or whatever, and the boat only landed back in Eretz Yisrael, so that's an oinus, it's not his fault. An oinus, all the people in the community are aware of the fact that he came back in Chalamoid. He's allowed to take a haircut in Chalamoid. But there is a machalek in Satan. What if he left Eretz Yisrael the Harvacha? means he makes a living, he ekes out a living in Eretz Yisrael. He does make a parnosa, but he doesn't really make a decent parnosa. He would like to have another suit. Not that he has 35 suits in his closet, he wants to have another 30, uh, 36 suit. Not that his wife has 100 dresses, she wants 101st dress, and she has uh, 50 pairs of shoes and 100 pocketbooks and whatever. He barely makes a living, and Bakoshi he pulls through. And he'd like to make a little more. He wants to have a little more havacha in order to, lead, uh, uh, to be able to breathe a little bit uh, easier. So that's a dispute among the Tanoim. Is that considered a legitimate reason to leave Eretz Yisrael? If he, if he doesn't make a parnasa, for sure he's permitted to leave Eretz to go to Chutzlor. But if he makes a parnasa, he makes a decent parnasa, but he'd like to make a little more Bahar uh, Boche, in order that it shouldn't be so, he doesn't have to skimp so much. So that's a machlekes, and we pass in the hokel. We'll get to it a little later in our discussion. So this would be relevant uh, here with respect to learning. Let's say if you have a person who has a job, so if he works a half a day, he'll be able to make $150,000 and be able to raise his family, raise his children, make a panos. And, and he's a person who could learn a half a day. If he, if he works a whole day, he'll make uh, whatever, $300,000, $400,000. He doesn't really need the $400,000 to live. He can live on $150,000 as well. So the halacha says, strictly speaking, that this would be dependent on this machlekes satanai. Um... I don't know if that's a good muscle, but I don't know exactly uh, how, how much does a person need to live on. Let's say if a person makes uh, $50,000, because he probably wouldn't even be able to pay his expenses. Let's say, I don't know, $70,000. He can, he can make a parnasa because he has 10 children and he has a home and apartment, whatever. He has to pay rent, he has to pay food and clothing and everything, and he barely makes ends meet. And he wants to have the job to work a whole day in order to make $150,000. So that's, that's our vata. So we pass on it. That's legitimate. That's permissible. So you don't say, let him learn half a day and work a half a day. No, he has the right to work a whole day because he has the right to, to make our also. That's how we pass on there in, in Masechus Maikot. Well, let's say if he'll work half a day, he'll make $150,000. He didn't live by Harvacha. So he won't give so much money to charity. So he'll, he'll make a decent parnasa. But if he'll work a whole day, he'll make a half a million dollars. But he certainly does need a half a million dollars. So the halacha would say that that's considered free time. Whenever he has free time, he's mukhif to learn every minute of his free time. That's uh, the pashtas, that's how we assume la halacha. The question is, what is the fellow going to learn? We say that every, every person is obligated to learn. 
Not everybody is cut out to, to learn uh, complicated things. So many people are so used to learning in the yeshivas. So they remember in the yeshivas they used to study Gemara with Tesis with the Maharsha, and it was complicated. So some people have this strange uh, mistaken notion that uh, one is only in fulfillment of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah if you study Gemara with Tesis with the Maharsha, and you break your head and get headaches. That's not correct. A person in Believe it or not, one is in fulfillment of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah if he studies Chumash. Chumash is also Torah, believe it or not. It's dictated word for word by HaKadosh Baruch to Moshe Rabbeinu, that's our belief. And if a person studies Nevi'im Aksuvim, believe it or not, it's also a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. A person studies Torah Shabbat is also Talmud Torah. A person studies Anyankif, the Agarit and Nimar is also Talmud Torah. A person studies Kitsu Shulchanach, it's also Talmud Torah. A person studies Mishnai, it's all of these things are Talmud Torah. person that... Talmud Torah doesn't mean that a person has to learn the most complicated, most difficult thing. Whatever a person enjoys is fine. A person can't concentrate a whole day long on learning. You need a little break. So some people say, I need a break, I have to go to the movies. Why do you have to go to the movies? You can have a break by having variety. You can learn Gemara, then have a break, the Mabis then learn a little Kitsu Shulchanat, then learn a little Anyankif, then go back to the Gemara. Yeah, you can have a break within learning also. You can have variety within, within Torah. It doesn't have to be variety by, by, uh, by traveling to Paris or by, uh, or by uh, watching a movie or something. Many people feel that they're not really cut out for learning because they always forget. Whatever they learn, they forget. In Yiddish folklore, they say that that's what it means when you recite the Hadron. So it says, you recite the Hadron, so they say, when you learn Dab Gimel, that helps you forget Dab Beis. When you learn Dab Yud, that helps you forget Dab Tes. When you learn the last Dab, what should you do to forget the last Dab? So you recite the Hadron, you forget the last Dab also in the Gemara. So people feel, what, is, what do I accomplish by learning? Whatever I'm going to learn, I, really, I know I'm going to forget it in advance. So a lot of people feel a sense of Yush that uh, they're not cut out for learning. What are they going to learn? They're wasting their time. This is not really correct. We have the famous Agarata that the Talmud tells us. We're not sure exactly uh, what it means, but the Talmud tells us something to the effect that the Malach teaches every Jewish baby uh, before the child is born, and then when the baby is about to be born, then the Malach causes the child to forget. The Malach gives the baby a slap, and he causes the child to forget his learning. Uh, just recently, I met, uh, I was just in Eretz Yisrael a few weeks ago, so I met a rabbi who works for Machom Pua. They're the people who work on the uh, infertility problems. So they're, they're very much into uh, 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 delivering babies and all these issues, all the halachic issues. So one of the rabbonim tells me from Machon Pua that it's a well-known fa- medical fact, that they ask all the doctors, a well-known medical fact that the longer you wait to cut the umbilical cord, so the better the kayak, the better the memory of the baby will be. So he said, if you wait too long, the baby's going to die. So you have to cut the umbilical cord something within four minutes. But he said, rather than do as they always did in the test, cut the cord immediately, he said, they wait three and a half minutes now. I don't know. My, my, little, my smallest baby is already 16 years old. So they, this uh, rabbi tells me that now the doctors recommend you have to wait three and a half minutes, because you have up until four minutes, something like that. And therefore, this will enable the baby to have a better koyach as it current. So he's, this rabbi saw that there's some connection with this uh, statement that the Talmud makes, that the malach causes the baby to forget kolaterapula at the moment of birth. Moment of birth has something to do with memory. I, the Eskakashi, but they were, we know there were Goonim in the past whose umbilical cord was cut immediately and they had photographic memories. They had such a fantastic memory. So, how can it be that the. So, the answer the rabbis gave or the doctors gave was that if they would have waited three and a half minutes, <laughs> they would have had a better Kayahzi Okay. They, w- they would have known Encyclopedia Britannica also about that. Not only Talmud Babli about that, they would have known everything about that. 
So the Talmud speaks about the fact that the Malach causes the child to forget Kalatarku. So Rav Zolovechik uh, spoke about this on different occasions and others write in Sforim. The brother of the Vilna Goyen writes this up in his Sefer about the importance of learning Torah. So he writes, why is the Malach so mean that he causes the baby to forget everything that he learned? After teaching Kalatarku, he causes him to forget. So what they point out is that in a certain sense this is really a blessing that the Rabbani Shalom really wants us to develop in learning by having Amal to work hard. So the fact that people forget all of the learning that they accomplished is in a certain sense a curse, but in another sense it is a blessing because if you would remember everything then you wouldn't have to work hard. And there is great significance and great emphasis is placed on the fact that there is Yigiyav Amal HaShaltar. The matter speaks about the fact that in the future HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be our Rebbe Hashem, the Rabbani Shalom will be teaching us Kala Tarakula so when we have a Rebbe when we have a Malamed like the Rabbani Shalom then we won't forget but the Rabbani Shalom is not our Malamed we have human beings on Malamedim so everything we learn we forget we won't forget uh, many people feel that what, uh, what will I accomplish by learning Torah Torah is not for me I'm not going to really uh, understand it so well anyway I won't really be able to, to uh, understand fully the Gemara. I'm not going to get anywhere in Talmud. Um, the Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Ovis that Lefum Tsaira Agra, the reward for learning Torah, the reward for fulfilling any mitzvah, doesn't really depend on how much the person accomplishes bottom line, but rather depends on how difficult it was for him to do that. Let's say in Yeshiva you have often... Uh, um, you have one fellow who is very bright in learning so he spends 10 minutes on the Gemara and he prepares the whole Shira in 10 minutes and he can walk into Shira and the rest of the morning he wastes time he does homework, he sleeps in the dormitory he, he doesn't learn and another guy plugs away the whole morning has a poor background but he's very sincere, very motivated plugs away, spends the whole morning preparing, preparing, preparing and he still doesn't understand the Shira still doesn't understand the Gemara and he can't really follow the Shira so the Mishnah tells us that the fellow who worked hard learning all morning long who really didn't fully understand what he was preparing and he doesn't really understand the shir so well, he's going to get more reward than the fellow who only prepared for 10 minutes because the reward is given, the agra, the skar is given, not in accordance with how much one accomplishes in learning or how much one accomplishes in any mitzvahs, but rather lefum tzaira, in accordance with how difficult uh, it was for the person to fulfill the mitzvah. So really we assume that the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is for everybody, uh, even one who's not in chinuch, not in rabbanis, and the mitzvah Talmud Torah doesn't only apply in the younger years when a person is a student. It applies more so when the person to, is an adult. And uh, a popular opinion, there were three different opinions, how to understand the obligation of the Hagisa Bayom But the popular opinion in the Mishnah, the way it's described during the period of the Second Temple, that when they took off the Lechem Aponim, the other Kohanim were there immediately to replace it with the new Lechem Aponim. So the Talmud Babli understands that according to that position, the same is true regarding Talmud Torah. One is obligated to learn Torah every free minute of the day. And the person has to see to it that he makes as much free time as possible. Not that he's busy making a Parnassah all day long. He has to make $5 million. Does he need the $5 million? He can, he can live on a half a million dollars also. He can live on less than a half a million dollars. So uh, if it's possible to get such a job that the person will work uh, half a day and make $150,000 then the rest of the day he'll be able to learn. True, he won't be able to concentrate on Gemara with Marsha. Okay, he can learn Gemara without Marsha. He can learn Gemara without Tesis also. He can learn Gemara with Rashi. The Rashi is too hard, you can learn with Sansino, or learn, or learn with the Art Scroll, or learn with uh, Steinsloss, whatever. It's not Mukhif to learn with Rashi either. It's also Mitzvah Talmudur. If you learn without Rashi and Tesis, it's also Talmudur. So everyone has such an obligation. 
Rav Soloveitchik once mentioned, I remember he once mentioned a medrash that had uh, quite an effect on, on the students. Uh, the medrash is commenting on the fact that people forget so much of what they learn, so what do they really accomplish by learning? So the medrash gives a marshal to a king who uh, came to a community where the people were uh, faithful subjects of his, and he came with a big uh, trailer, with a big container, and the village was uh, stationed near a river, and he came with uh, barrels, and he asked all of the uh, faithful um, uh, citizens of the city who loved him and respected him, that they should please spend the day filling up the barrels with water from the river, and carrying the water and pouring it into this uh, big container that was a few yards away from the river. And he's going to come at the end of the day. He's going to give reward to those people who, who uh, honored his request. It came at the end of the day. And there was only one guy who had done it. The rest of the people didn't do it. What happened? They started filling up the barrels with water from the river and carrying it over the few yards. So they realized that all the barrels were full of holes. And all the water was spilling out. And uh, they only, by the time they reached uh, the big uh, container, there were only a few drops of water left. So it, it would take forever. It would take 100,000 years to fill up uh, the big container with water if they're going to schlep and these barrels from the river. So most of the people thought that there must be some mistake. The king must have delivered the wrong barrels, uh, and they're not going to waste their time on this act of utility. And one tipish chocham, whatever he was, one fellow said, no, how can it be? The king is an intelligent person. He must have checked in advance. He must have some, he must have some hidden kavan over here. He's going to do what the king requested. So he wasted his time all day long, and everybody was laughing at him. He's schlepping the barrel, filling up with water, and carrying it a couple of yards uh, away, and all the water spills on the, on the grass, and he only gets uh, two drops each time into the big container. came the end of the day, so the king comes back, and he finds out that only one person listened to him, and the others didn't, because it didn't make any sense. So the king said, my kavana was not that, yeah, I didn't care so much about filling up the big uh, container with water. The barrels were filthy. What I really, my kavana really was, I wanted to clean out the barrels. I wanted, the, I made holes in the barrels in order that the water should, should flush out all of the dirt, to remove all of the dirt. And he gave reward to the one fellow who listened to his instructions. So that's what the Medrash concludes, that uh, the purpose, one of the many purposes that is uh, accomplished by learning Torah is that it cleanses one's personality. The Mishnah tells us, Unfortunately, we know that there are a lot of people who learn a lot of Torah, and it doesn't purify their personality. So the Mishnah tells us, if a person learns Torah Lishma, Zechel Edvarm Harbei, and one of the many things that he will be zeichet to will be that umachsharto. So Rabbi Chaim Balozhena has a comment on machsharto. The simple translation, machsharto is chosid ba'onov. It prepares the person. Lachshir means to prepare a person. So Rabbi Chaim Balozhena in his commentary on Pirkei suggests maybe with the Yiddish expression, sakashati mois. If you have a trefer keli and you want to kasher it, so it means you purge it of the trefer blia. That's uh, the, the trefer that's absorbed in the walls of the kli. So perhaps that's what Chaim Alonjana said, perhaps that's an additional kavan in the mission that when a person learns Torah Lishma, it'll purify his personality, it'll purify his neshama. So even if a person forgets everything, even if the Torah goes in one ear and out the other, as long as it went in the one ear, and it went out the other ear, so as it was going through, it'll have an effect of, uh, of kashering out the person. The question is, how do we balance the learning with the parnasa? So there is, the rabbi mentioned previously, there is the Gemara and Brachis, quotes, the background of the Gemara is uh, the following. We have uh, those who come to shul on time in the morning will certainly remember that we recite a brisa of Rabbi Shmuel that there are three, 13 different midas shatarn adreshes mem, 13 different ways to read things in between the lines of the chumash. 
the text of the Chumash doesn't really give you a full description of all of the details of Tzitzis and Shabbos and Tfilin. The Chumash just gives you a bare outline, but you have to know how to quetch in between the lines. So you have Klala Pratiklal, and you have all of the other Midas Shatar and them. So one of the Midas is Shneksubim HaMakrishim Zezeh, if you have two psukhs that seem to be contradictory, so if you have a third psukh that seems to resolve the contradiction, so you accept that resolution and you interpret the two psukhs accordingly. What happens if you have shnei psukhs and hamakrishim zezed, you have two psukhs that contradict each other, and you're unable to find the third psukh that resolves the contradiction? What do you do then? So the Talmud records that this was a dispute in Beitz and Psachim, the Gemara quotes, this was a dispute among the Tanoim, Rabbi Lez and Rabbi Shua had a is how is one supposed to celebrate every Yontif? On the one hand, one Pasuk describes Atzeres Tielachem, you're supposed to eat, drink, and be merry. On the other hand, the Pasuk describes Yontif, Atzeres Lashem Alakech, it's supposed to be dedicated to spirituality. So these seem to be contradictory, and there is, there is no third Pasuk that resolves this contradiction. So Rabbi Lezer is of the opinion, whenever you have Shnei Ksuvim HaMakrishim Zezan, there is no Makas Lashlishi Shiach Rebeneyam, so it means it's optional. Either you do A or you do B. And if you're going to make a combination, you need neither here nor there. You're not Yotzeh the Mitzvah, not according to Pasuk A, not according to Pasuk B. And we haven't accepted Reb Lezer's opinion. We pass like Rabbi Yeshua. And we have Shnei Ksuvim HaMakishim Zerzer. You have a, an apparent contradiction between the two Ksukim. Despite the fact that you are unable to find the third Pasuk that resolves, that gives you a, a way to resolve this apparent contradiction, we have to figure out on our own how to quetch together the two Ksukim and make some kind of a pshara between the two in order to be yotze both Pasig A and Pasig B. So that's how we him by Yontav. How does one celebrate on Yontav? So we him Chetz Yil Hashem, Chetz Yil Hashem. You kvetch a pshara on your own between the two. So that's such a, such a similar issue regarding Parnasa versus learning. The Gemara says, on the one hand, there's a Pasig in Yoshua V'Hagisabo Yom V'Alav. supposed to learn all day and all night, every three minutes. You have the right to go to sleep, you have the right to eat food, you have the right to make a Parnasa, but it says you have to learn every three minutes. But, but the Pashtas is, literally, to learn all the time. And on the other hand, the Pasuk says, it talks about people making a Parnasa. So exactly how does this do? So the Gemara quotes one Tana who says that uh, one Pasuk is and the other and the other Pasuk is when you're really you're supposed to learn literally you're supposed to learn every three minutes, and somehow the Parnasa will fly in from heaven. It does mean that you should be matul yourself on the tzibur. You shouldn't come and say, I'm here, and I want you to support me. That the Mishnah says you're not allowed to do that, unless it's really uh, necessary for the community. They need, they need Rabbanim, they need Kodalim. The number of people learning in America in the Kodalim is very small. Consider Lakewood and all the Kodalim in the whole United States of America very small, in proportion to the Jewish population in America. It's, it's not so much. True in Europe, Rabbi Chaim Moza had a kailo, he only had 10 people in his kailo, uh, but, uh, but they had many more Rabbonim in Europe who knew how to pass in Shilas. In America, it's, it's not so much. All the kailo put together in the whole United States of America is, I think, very small. We're going to need all these people uh, in the future to go into Chinech and Rabbonus. So it's not proper for a person to come and say, here I am, I'm a Tamachacham, I want you to support me. That you're not allowed to do. So this, so this the Tana Rab Shimon Ba'ichai says, "Vagisa Ba'yom Valad should be fulfilled literally. You should sit and learn, and somehow rely, happy talk, and rely on the Rebbeinu Shalom, and somehow the Parnasa will fly in miraculously from heaven." And the other Tana disagrees, and that's the accepted opinion. The accepted opinion is whenever you have snakes, Silvamam says, "Although you don't find the third pasuk that tells you how to resolve this apparent contradiction, 
you have to figure out on your own. So that's what the Gemara says. We pass from like Rabbi Shmuel that Hanig by many Darcharis. You have to kvetch in together. You have to figure out how to make Parnasa part of the day, and then the rest of the day is considered free time, and the person is obligated to learn every minute of the free time that he has. And the Gemara makes a historical comment. Not only we pass from Halacha like Rabbi Shmuel, like we pass from Halacha like Rabbi Shua, Chetzil Hashem Chetzil Hashem Bayonshiv. So here we pass from like Rabbi Shmuel Hanig Ban Minig Darcharis. The two psukim have to be blended in together, but the Gemara makes a historical comment that many people attempted to do like Rishim Bar-Chai, to sit and learn all day and to have the in the Rabbanu Shalom to assume the Parnas is going to happen and it just didn't work out. So the Mela, the Gemara says, historically it didn't work, so we don't recommend it. We don't pass like Rabbi Shimon Bar-Chai, and we assume historically that it's not going to work either. It is interesting In this week's Sedrit, in Parshas Yisro, Yisro sees that Moshe Rabbeinu is judging the people all day, and he says, you're going you're gonna to collapse, and the people are going to collapse, it's not fair, you shouldn't continue like this, you have to appoint Dayanim. So the Dayanim will pass in the Shailas, but Moshe Rabbeinu is still the nice and Hatayra. Moshe Rabbeinu is the only one who gets direct uh, messages from the Rabbani Shalom to tell over to Bnei Yisro. So Yisro says, okay, well, you should, you'll be the big malamed, you'll tell all the dinim, but still, appoint all the dayanim that they should work on the detailed cases. You don't have to pass in each and every individual case. So the Gemara in Bab Metzian Daf Lamed has a famous comment on that pasuk. So the Gemara has on each phrase of the pasuk another comment. On the first opening phrase, so the Gemara says, this is, this is referring to Zubais Chayehem. What does that mean? So Rashi in Bab Metziah and the famous Gemara Daf Laman in Bab Metziah Rashi says Beis Chayyim means you have to teach Bnei Yisrael that they have to make a parnasa that this is really a mitzvah that a person has to make a parnasa. I remember I was once speaking about this in the yeshiva so I mentioned uh, that in Shulchan Aruch there's a famous din in the days of the Talmud it's uh, questionable whether it would apply today so in some cases it does apply in some cases not it says in the Talmud one is not permitted to go on a trip uh, on a boat trip three days before Shabbos. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbat. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for sure you're not allowed to go. Wednesday is the question whether the, the third day is allowed or not allowed. Uh, why not? So there are different explanations and depending on the various explanations it'll, it'll determine whether the din applies today. Uh, so it says in the Gemara, unless the person is going with Dvar Mitzvah. So what constitutes uh, Dvar Mitzvah? So Shohanath, they give an example. He's going to take care of Pidyan Shvuyim or he's going to move to live in Eretz Yisrael or even if going to visit Eretz Yisrael, the Morgan Avram has a machlekes. Whether visiting Eretz Yisrael constitutes a mitzvah or only living kavua in Eretz Yisrael. So the, then the Ramok quotes the Yeshomrim, and we paskin that if the person is going for parnasa, it's also considered a dvar mitzvah. So where is that mitzvah to make a parnasa? So the Vilna Goyim quotes this Gimorim in Boba Mitzvah Daf Lamed, Vahaydai Talahem Asadech Hashayochubo, and Rashi comments on Vahaydai Talahem Zubeis Chayem, it's a mitzvah to make a parnasa. Then the Vilna Gaon says, and how much of a parnasa is it a mitzvah to make, just to make a parnasa bekoshi? Or what about, what about to make a little extra in order, in order to live more baharchavah? So he refers you to the Gemara Maid Kotman, Dafyu Dalet. He says, Baharvacha, it's also a mitzvah. So the person is permitted to go on a, on a business trip, if it's really a necessary business trip, either to make a parnasa or to make a parnasa a little more berevach, not to make instead of a half a million dollars, to make a million dollars, or to make 20 million dollars. 
that's not. But if it's uh, either to make a parnasa, to make a parnasa berevach, to be able to breathe, so such a trip, you're permitted to go on the boat trip, even Thursday and Friday, it's permissible, even though I may get involved later on in the shop. That's considered a Makkah Mitzvah. Remember, on one occasion, uh, it must have been a Parsha Sashua, something I was speaking about this in the yeshiva. So there was a guest student in the audience, it wasn't from my yeshiva, he was floating around, he was a Balchuva from South America, he's still floating around the yeshivas. Uh, so he said, wow, he never heard of this mitzvah, he says. He said he, he learned in a lot of different Bali Chuvi yeshivas. The first time he ever heard of this mitzvah to make a panasa, he decided he's going to go to Wayu. <laughs> that mitzvah made, made sense then. He thinks there should have been such a mitzvah. It's interesting, last week said also in Parshas Bishalach, the Pasuk has an expression, when the mon came down from heaven, so it says, Everyone should collect an omer in accordance with uh, how many people he has in his household. You have the father and the mother and ten children, whatever, so you should take twelve portions. The Pasuk says whether he took more than he needed or less than he needed, didn't make any difference. It came out that everyone had exactly omer la A miracle occurred. So there are two problems in the Pasuk. This is clearly a hayra shor. The man didn't, uh, isn't coming down anymore. This was only in the mid, but there was man. So there are two problems. How does the Pasuk use the expression Zehadavor? And how does the Pasuk use the expression Ashatziv Hashem? It says Zehadavor Ashatziv Hashem. We find that Moshe Rabbeinu introduces his prophecy sometimes with the expression Zehadavor. And sometimes he introduces his nevuas by saying Koyamar Hashem. So when does it say Koyamar Hashem? When does it say Zehadavor? means it's a direct dictation word for word, letter for letter this is exactly, precisely what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded and that only applies when it's a Din Lederus Zehadavar only applies when it's a Din Lederus that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbein a direct dictation when does Moshe Rabbein introduce his prophecy with the expression Koyam Hashem similar to all of the other prophets who introduced Koyam Hashem that's when Moshe Rabbein is giving a Hayru Ashur Something that's only uh, te- of a temporary nature, like Bezos Mitzrayim, or like, uh, like the Makkas, Kamashem Kachatzos Alayla, and the Yotzebisaf and Simon is not saying a Din Lederis, he's saying a Nevoah. Nevoah is something, what's going to happen, what they should do temporarily. So whenever it's only Hayroshah, so then Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have that higher level of prophecy of the Aspect Gloria Hamiira, the direct dictation word for word, letter for letter. His level of prophecy was the same as the other Nevim. So he says, Koyam Hashem, he had a Chazon, he had a Chalom. He had a vision, and he's interpreting the vision and is using his own words. He says, Koram HaShem, this is approximately what the Rabbanu Shalom has to say. So here the Pasuk says, Zehadavor, direct dictation, and Moshe Rabbein is telling him, about collecting the on. Furthermore, the next problem is, Zehadavar Shatziva HaShem. The term Ashatziva HaShem is also a technical term. A mitzvah only applies if it's a Lashen Ziriz Miyad Uladurus. Rashi writes in his opening comment on Parshas Tzav that it's something is only something only qualifies as a mitzvah if it's a, an obligation that applies throughout all the future generations. If it's only once, on one single occasion it's not called a mitzvah. How does the Pesach introduce this statement which is clearly a hirasha about collecting the on with these two expressions if it's clearly only a hirasha. There is no din lederis over here. So the answer is no. The din lederis is that every father of the household is obligated to take care of the parnasa of all the people in the family. There was a hirah sure here how the parnasa was taken care of. Just walk out into the midbar and collect the month. That was a cinch. That was very easy. 
Ladaris, you have to work, you have to make up, you have to work for a living. It's going to be a little more difficult than just going to collect the money. But it clearly is the din Ladaris that the Pasuk is speaking of. That's the din that, uh, that's in Parshat Yisra. That's what the Ramor writes in Hilchah Shabbos, that you can go on a business trip on, on Thursday and Friday if the business trip is necessary, either for Parnasa or for Harvacha, to make a little uh, more in order to be able to live slightly by Harvacha. This is also considered a mitzvah. So the both extremes are really incorrect. The attitude that uh, many yeshiva bacham have that uh, not mechuyif to make a parnosa. That's only a uh, concession. We have to deal with uh, the facts of life. It's not true. That's one of the mitzvahs in the third to make a parnosa. And the attitude that many adults have that the mitzvah of learning only applies to students. And after you graduate, after your student years are up, and you're ready an adult and, uh, and uh, married and, uh, and have children. So you no longer you put the mitzvah tamtar. That is not correct. The mitzvah tamtar applies in a stronger uh, force after the person uh, becomes more mature and more uh, and more understanding. He, he can fulfill the mitzvah tamtar in a greater to a greater extent. Now some people have the attitude. Well, some people really think alibadam is like this. They want to make more money in order to give more money to tzedakah. There are such people. They don't want to learn. If they would sit and learn, they'd learn a little Mishnayis and Yankif. Their head is not... They know they'll not become big rabbis. They won't go into Chino. So why should they waste their time and learn? They want to make millions of dollars in order to be able to support all the charitable causes in the world. All the charitable causes in Klal Yisrael, there are many. So Klal Yisrael and for the, for the general society as well. So Moshe Feinstein points out that one is not, there is no such obligation to make money in order to give stocket. If a person has money, then he has an obligation to give stocket. There's no, no mitzvah, it's not mukhiz to go and make money. Moshe Feinstein has a chill where he discusses going to medical school. Is it a mitzvah to go to medical school in order to know how to treat the patient? So he says, no, that's not a mitzvah. If a person has medical knowledge, if the person already finished medical school, then he has the knowledge, he's obligated to treat the patients like the Dilma Goyen wanted very much to build and go and live in Vilna. So as a teenager, he was interested in going to Italy to study medicine in a medical school because he wanted to understand Hilchus Trefus better. And his father wouldn't let him. This is how the Talmud Hagro write up this story. His father wouldn't let him because his father knew my son is a genius and my son's going to go to medical school. He'll, become, he'll know more medicine than anybody else. Then he'll be mechuyiv. He'll be obligated to spend time to treat all of the sick patients. And the father didn't want his son to waste time treating the patient. His father wanted his son to sit and learn Torah and to teach Torah. I, the Dona Goyen, will be lacking in his full, deep understanding of all of the Hilchas traces in the Gemara. So the father said it will be on his achrai. So be his, uh, they'll punish him in the in Abad. They'll punish him for not letting his son learn the medicine so he'll be lacking in that. So Moshe Feinstein writes, just like it's a Dova Pashat, the one has no mitzvah to go earn a lot of money in order to give stock. Not mukhiv. If you have all this extra money, then you have an obligation to give stock. But you're not mukhiv to earn money in order to be able to give stock. So he says it's a Dova Pashat that uh, one has no obligation to go to medical school in order to be able to treat the patient. Everyone's mukhiv to go to medical school? No. If a person wants to go into medicine, the Hatanish Kimber has to go to medical school, but that's not a mitzvah here also. It's not an obligation. It's not a mitzvah to earn a lot of money in order to give the stock. If you have the money, you have to give the stock. If a person has an option of learning a half a day and working a half a day, and the working a half a day will be able to make a decent parnasah with the harchov also, even if his learning is going to be easy things, he's going to be learning Tanakh, he's going to be learning on Yankif and Kitsu Shulchanach. Still, it's preferable that he should spend half a day learning rather than to earn all of these big millions of dollars in order to support all of these shoes. Not mechoyim. 
someone else will support the yeshivas. That's not your obligation. Our obligation is to learn when we have the free time. When we all got married, so we all wrote into the Ksuba to our wives, I will work for a living and I will support you. I will support the family. That's really true. We are really obligated to work for a living and to support our wives and our children. There is such a deal. It's self-understood. If the Minikamdina is, let's say, a fellow gets married and he goes to law school, he goes to medical school. So he's, he's not supporting the family. His wife is supporting him. So the Minikamdina is that by the Jews and the non-Jews alike, everybody for the first couple of years until they're uh, figuring out how they're gonna how they're gonna make uh, parnasa. So it's understood to live off of loans or to live. The wife will earn a little money till she has a. Uh, a baby or two or three or whatever, and then she won't be able to work anymore. Okay. So, so if that's acceptable by the non-Jews, it's, accept- it's acceptable by the Jews also. So we, so we allow people to sit and learn in the cuddle a few years, even though he's not supporting his wife. But in principle, the din does require, everybody agrees to that. The din does say, it says in every, the text of the Ksub is the same. Whether you, whether you learn in the curl or you go to medical school or you get a job the day you graduate college, text of the is the same. I will work and I will earn a living and I will support my wife. In principle, everybody agrees that there is a mitzvah to earn a parnasa. And under certain circumstances, we bend a little bit to the tzarech ha-shoah. As a hairah ha-shoah, we say, all right, the first couple of years of marriage, to learn in the curl or go to graduate school, whatever, and the wife will support him or the parents will support him, they'll make do with whatever they have. But every person has to try to figure out in his life the students shouldn't have such a strange attitude that it's only a mitzvah to learn and there's no mitzvah to make a parnosa. And the adults shouldn't have the attitude that the learning is only for uh, people of student age. It's not true. There is a mitzvah. The two psukim have to both be fulfilled. The pasuk v'hagisa b'yom v'aloyle together with the pasuk v'yasafta d'ganach v'sirosh v'yitzarecha they both have to be fulfilled in the best possible fashion for each individual person.